Hey, Amanda, can we go back to that? Go back to the last course, that last course, that song, the last verse, I should say. Children are dismissed. Thank you, Steve. I'm so done. I was just reminded as we were singing this song, if we can pull that up here, um, that day we we're going to all be invited to the feast, you know? We talked about that. Yeah. Go ahead. One more. Right there. Yeah. We'll enter in as the wedding bells ring. Your bride will come together and we'll sing. And, uh, you know, the, the word talks about that great feast, that time that we're all going to be invited into the, to the table with the king. I mean, to the table with the king. It's unbelievable. When this Jesus that we all know that died on a cross for our sins will be seated there as the groom and will be welcomed into the kingdom. What a glorious day. And I just, I just that image to me was so profound. Um, uh, as we prepared to worship this morning, it just really struck me how we're all invited in. And it's, like I've talked about it before, you know, from a guy, it's, it's a little different, but it's still beautiful to think about that day that's coming. I'm eager to get there. So we're in the middle of a series uh, called Christianity 101, right? 101, right. And um, it's this kind of looking at, and you know, I've had some of you come up to me and say, uh, are you, are you going to cover this basic? Are you going to cover that? You know, these kind of fundamental. It was just kind of a, a few weeks thing to talk about some maybe principles we don't think about, some maybe applications that come out of the word that we don't consider in our daily lives. Um, some of the stuff that's fundamental Christianity, I think we do understand, you know, Jesus died for you, those kind of things that we teach um, that are the pinnacle, the, the truth of our faith at its core. And, and yet there's some applicable things that we don't often think about. And so we spent a few weeks talking about some of these things, maybe, maybe. And then last week we covered uh, Matthew 18, Right? Where Jesus clearly, and he doesn't often do this. We were talking last night, I was talking to someone about uh, fiction. You know, Jesus seemed to teach more in parables than anything else. But, but last week we covered Matthew 18 where Jesus taught clearly a step-by-step process for conflict resolution in your life or sin resolution. How to get sin out of your life. He said there's three steps. This is how you do it. And I was curious as we begin, we were talking about this series. Um, did any of you try that this week? Did, did anybody actually think, you know, like, I've, I've wanted to face this for a while, so I'm going to go ahead and test Jesus here and see if this works. You know, there's a famous quote that says, um, uh, and I, I should know who said this probably, <laughs> maybe, uh, but he said, uh, it's not that Christianity has been uh, tried and found lacking, it's that it's never been actually tried. You have the truth, and we don't apply it. We read it, and we don't believe it. We, we see it, but we don't live it. We talk about it, but we don't live it out. I tried. I tried. I've, I've been trying. I tried the week before, too. I would encourage you, if you haven't tried the, the three-step process of going mano a mano with a brother or sister in Christ to work out some, some way that they've hurt you, that you would try. And if that doesn't work, you know, step two is take a few people with you. And step three is to tell it before the church. I do want to offer a little correction here. I, I was convicted by something after, you know, sometimes you speak and you think, man, really? The local church. Well, I think it applies to us today. We bring it before the local church, this thing called church discipline. 
And yet I was reminded in reflecting um, on it further that Jesus said these words. The church in Jesus' language was ekklesia. That's Greek. It, it just meant the ones who were sent out. The sent out ones. No, ekklesia. Now, see, I'm going to get in trouble again, so I'll have to come back and correct that one again. <laughs> Apostolos. Ekklesia, it doesn't mean out. It means out. It doesn't mean, it means those, the gathered who are out. So, I mean, it's those who, who are out doing his work are the gathered church. But, but um, it just kind of struck me that maybe we need to think about that a little more. Step three. But you know what? Start with step one. I've been trying. I've been trying. So, this week we're going to talk about something that's a little different. We've got one more week and then we're going to get into the family group thing, right? So be sure, if you want to get in a family group, you know, be sure to get in this week or next week. But, um, but I have a question for you. Uh, um, who can tell me? I'm going to try to do a little generational survey here maybe. Who can tell me what your favorite toy was growing up? And I don't mean like a toy growing up. I mean your favorite toy growing up. G- who said that? G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. You mean the big G.I. Joe with the scar on his face and the fuzzy beard? The, the 60s G.I. Joe. Yeah, you know, he, he wasn't as muscular in the 60s. He, he was more like every man in the 60s. Now he's like Hulk Hogan or, you know, he's like a bodybuilder now. Who else? Favorite toy? The metal bumblebee transformer. All right. The real one. Yeah. Lance, go ahead. Legos. It, the, just the plain blocks? Yeah. Now they make every kind of, every flavor of Lego, right? We're always incessantly sorting Legos at our house by, like, Star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones. I mean, they didn't have that. Like, you know, just red and blue blocks and clear. Who else? Kerplunk? Yeah, there you go. There you go. What's up, Johnny? What's your favorite toy growing up? Connects. Yes, that's the modern-day Legos. Or the modern-day Erector set. Because I had an Erector set, right? Anybody else? Barbies. All right. Yeah. Chris, too, right? The Barbies. What was the coolest Barbie toy you could have? What was it? The dream house, the dream house was it. Someone said the pool, the pool must have been pretty cool too. The car, the Corvette. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else have to say, man, my favorite, my favorite. Light bright. bright. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so crazy. And what's funny, too, is you notice that, and maybe we didn't get too much, maybe the Legos, you know, generational differences and stuff, you know, how things have changed over time. But um, I want to tell you, I do want to tell you about mine, too. It's only fair, right? Mine was the evil Knievel stunt motorcycle. Yes! Yeah, man. Yeah! It was so cool. And you would, you would had a little, mine was yellow, my stand was yellow, and you put them on the thing, and you would get it going, and it would make a lot of noise, and you'd pop it backwards, and it would take off. I mean, it was dangerous. Yeah. It was completely insane. My favorite toy was the Evil Knievel stunt motorcycle. Yeah. That's so cool. And it kind of dates you, you know, because the Evil Knievel, like, do you know? Uh, yeah. 
That was such a cool thing growing up. You know, what's, what's funny though I find about toys, about remembering toys, and, and this culture we live in where we're, we're always advertised to is that one of the messages we get in life is never grow up. Never grow up. Like, I found myself when my kids were little saying, oh, enjoy your childhood because you don't want to be an adult. <laughs> it's such a drag. You got to work and pay bills and, oh, man, just live in the moment, you know. Find your evil Knievel stunt motorcycle and, and, and ride it, you know. Never grow up. And um, I'm amazed that, that we are part of the generation. I think right now what we're seeing, what we're seeing in our, in our uh, culture, what we're seeing in our nation, I think specifically, and what we're seeing in, in kind of our generational stuff is, is a buying into that lie to never grow up. To never grow up. Well, I found something else that's pretty, pretty sweet, I must say, and I want to show it to you. Um, oh, by the way, this, is the, this week we're talking about babies aren't us, right? We're going to talk about that. But, but what is it crazy is that I found this thing, and, and, it's, and it's an old technology, and it's called um, VHS. Do you remember that stuff? <laughs> the 8-track, yeah. You remember those? I mean, VHS is almost completely gone. So I want to apologize now because, you know, digital age can't fix everything. But I want to show you this right quick, this commercial. I don't want to grow up, but my Toys R Us kids. They got a million toys at Toys R Us that she can play with. I don't want to grow up, but my Toys R Us kids. They got the best performance, you really flip your hand around. Bikes to trains to be. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. A whole generation of kids would like, yeah, because baby, if I did, I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid. You know how I got my Evil Knievel stunt motorcycle? I got to go to the toy store and test drive it. Our parents took us to the toy store, and, they, and I was very poor growing up, but they let us play with every toy in the store to see what we liked the most. My cousin and I, he got the, the Evil Knievel dragster, and, and we, we sat in this, and we ran those things up and down the aisles, and that's how we got it. We got it for our birthday that year. And it's funny because we bought into this whole idea, man, that, that if I grow up, I can't be a toy store. I'll, I'll lose so much growing up. I won't be I won't be who I am, or I won't get to have the fun I want to have in life. We, we, we have this result. A culture that believes that growing up is bad, that growing up is getting old, right? And we're going to talk about some of the implications that come out of Scripture for that very fact, very fact, right? But many of us have had these same things. We, we believe the same lie. And um, today I want to see what the Bible has to say about the gifts that we've been given. Because, you know, we all want to, want to get the toy from the toy store, you know. We all want that favorite thing that some special person said, man, that's the best thing you could ever play with. And you're like, wow, it's so cool. I want to see what the Word has to say today about that very thing for each, each and every one of you and myself as well. Let's pray together. Uh, Father God, we come today in your name for your glory and nothing else, Father. And today uh, we pray that you, your spirit would dwell richly here among us, that you would be the teacher, that we would be listening, that we'd be disciples of yours, that we'd have our hearts that are supple to your touch, that would know the truth of the gospel and would seek to live it out.
And today, Father, as we come into your kingdom, to your glory, to your sanctuary, I pray you would have your way with us, that your word would speak clearly and truthfully into our lives, and that we would conform to your word. We love you and thank you. And Jesus, we love you so much. We can't say it enough. All that you've delivered us from and all that you've delivered us for, we just give you praise and glory today in the most high name of all creation, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to look at the book of Ephesians today. Let's see if we get the slide here, maybe. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. If you didn't bring a Bible, you're welcome to use one of ours in the chairs there at the end of the row. It's page 812 of those Bibles. And I'm just going to read through it together, and I would encourage you to open the Word. We talk about this all the time, but you know, it, it can't kind of leap off the page into your imagination. I mean, you've got to have it open and be looking at it. So I'd encourage you to be looking at the Word as we study it together. And uh, I do pray that you're doing this in your life, in your daily life. You're looking at the Word. You're considering its, its uh, principles and its... Um, the things it's trying to teach us about how we are to live. But listen to what it says in the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. And Paul is writing here and he says this. He says, As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Here's his instruction. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of, our, of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. But instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. And it's given to us to teach us what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, listen, this is how you are to follow. This is how you are to live as one who is following after Jesus Christ. And I want to roll through, and I would encourage you to, to read this. You know, you can read the whole book of Ephesians pretty quickly if you wanted to sit down and read the whole book in context. It's always a good thing. We're getting a little ahead here. Yeah. But this next thing here is, is what we're going to talk about right now. And it's in the first part. First part, I just want to read. He talks about living a life worthy of the calling that we've received, right? And it's written to the, to the um, disciples in Ephesus, those who are following after Jesus. As a matter of fact, I'll show you a little a trick here, right? If you're reading the Bible study and it says you, you know, you can look back and see who he's writing to. You can also look back at the opening of the letter. Look what it says in verse 1. 
to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So, I mean, this is who it's written to. It's written to the, all the believers that are gathering in Ephesus. And Ephesus is a local church, just a local expression of this following after Jesus, just like we are here at Family Bible Church in Highland. And so Paul's writing, he's saying, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. And he tells us how to do that, being humble and gentle, patient, bearing each other up in love, right? Every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But this is what I want to point out here. He talks about being one faith and one baptism, one God and Father. But in verse 7, it says this. It says, each one of us, each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That means that you have been given a gift by Jesus. It means you have been given a gift that's just for you by the one who died on the cross. That's pretty crazy. I mean, we get excited about a toy when we're a kid. I remember the, that, that birthday, that Christmas, I opened that gift, it's so exciting. And yet the word tells us that Jesus himself has given each of us, right, a gift as he apportioned it. You know what it is? It's a gift of grace. Now I'm gonna throw another Greek word out here today, and it's called charis, right? C-H-A-R-I-S. That's where we get our word charisma, or some people would say in church talk, charismatics, right? You know, you talk about somebody who has charisma. What do you talk about with them? You say, man, I don't know what it is, but they have this thing. Like, I just like to be around them. They, they have charisma, you know? There's something that draws you to them. And in this case, he says, the word says that Jesus, the Christ gave each of us grace according to the apportion that Jesus wanted to have it, us to have it. So it doesn't just mean that, that it's an accident. It doesn't even mean that you got the same grace as everyone got. You got exactly the amount of charisma, of grace, of that drawing, that passion for the things of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you know him as your Savior, he's given you a portion of it that you can live out of. Do I sound frustrated at all? I'll tell you why. Because it seems to me that too many of us in the church have bought into the lie that it's for somebody else. I wish I could teach the word like that or I wish I could lead worship like that or I wish I could counsel somebody like that or I wish I could have wisdom to speak in that situation. I wish I could know how to live my life rightly by God's standards. I, I wish I, I wish I, and God is saying, I've apportioned it to you, all the grace you need for your exact circumstance. It's been given to you and to me. I think the problem is we don't live out of that belief. We don't trust in that gift of Christ. Jesus died on the cross for us, and we say, well, that's nice, but what am I going to do with my life? It's going to make a difference if you're following Jesus. The word says in verse 7, to each one of us, it's past. The word is each and every, all, total. Grace has been given as Christ, Christos, apportioned it, right? Measured it out, and he's given it to you. I hope that today you know that you have been given gifts. You've been given gifts. And it's the greatest gift you could ever want. The greatest thing you would ever need. 
It goes on here to quote from the psalm we read earlier. He ascended on high. He led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Now, if you don't ever look at your Bible, you know, people say there's, there's contradictions in the Bible. And you say, man, there ain't no contradictions. It's the word of God. That's absolutely true. But you know what? I went and looked up this verse in the psalm. It's different. Whenever Paul quotes it here, he quotes it differently than it's written in the psalm. I'll, I'll tell you what the difference is. In the psalm, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and they gave him gifts. What? It says here, he gave gifts to men. Look at the psalm, Psalm 68. It says, he, they gave him gifts. It's not an error in the Bible. It's the truth of the gospel. The gifts were given to you to give back. Let's read on. We're going to skip down to verse 11. This is what it says in verse 11. It says, he has given, he, it was he, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, right, to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and became mature, attained to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, Paul would get in trouble in college for run-on sentences, wouldn't he? That was like six thoughts in one sentence. Take a breath. You know, there's so much in there, but it's idea that he gave, there's a gift here, right? He gave us not just the gift of grace, but a gift of a role in his kingdom, a gift of a purpose in his kingdom. Look at what it says here. It says apostles. Those are the ones that are sent out. Evangelists, you know, you say, man, I'm not an evangelist. Do you bear the good news? Do you own that in your life? Is there anybody who would see you and say, man, you know something I don't know. Can you share that with me? And you say, it's good news. That means you're an evangelist. Evangelion, you're bearing good news. Or to be prophets. We talked about prophets already. Or pastors and teachers, right? And, and, and this is not an exhaustive list. But this is what Paul's writing into the church in Ephesus about these roles you've been given, not just the grace that you need for every situation, but you've been put in roles for the kingdom's purpose, for the purposes of God. Here's the catch. Here's the thing. The, captives in his train, right? You've been given gifts, right? Great. And so we're like, this is a cool gift. But this is the truth. You are a gift. You are a gift to the kingdom of God. You are a gift to brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you sit around and you say, man, I don't have anything to share. I don't have anything I can. First of all, you're saying that God hasn't done what he said he did in apportioning you grace that you need and a role to serve. But then you're robbing God's church of the gift that he provided for them. Right? It's in verse 12. Why are some called to be apostles and prophets and evangelists? And by the way, I'm not getting into this whole sacred, secular separation, you know. These are holy men and we're not the holy people. That's garbage. If you know Jesus Christ, you're holy. Like you're set apart for a purpose. And it has to matter in your life. And so once you know that to be true, you find out what you're set apart for. And regardless of your role in the grace you've been given, here is the purpose of your setting aside, to prepare God's people for the works of service. Now listen, so that the body of Christ, right, this is the bride we sang about earlier, may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Listen to what the Word of God says, becoming mature, right, right? attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
I stand before you as one who would say, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. It's a million toys that we can play with. And God's saying, grow up. The call is to be mature in Jesus. There is no excuse for sitting around, you know, in our infant stage. You aren't off the hook. The word never says it. It never says, that's okay. That's okay. Here he says that we may grow, becoming mature. How? One to another. It's what we talked about last week with the kingdom of God, the kingdom work, right? It doesn't happen magically. It happens when we go to a brother or sister and we engage in a conversation and we take a risk to expose sin in our own lives and in their lives and we love them enough to tell them the truth. It says that here in a minute as well. And in that place, the kingdom work is done and we all reach a unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, Jesus himself, and becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's like the apportion earlier, right? It's like this idea that you've been, you've been allotted this grace to give you the full measure, the cup that overflows. More than you need in life has been given to you. It's the truth of the gospel. Becoming mature, attaining the whole measure of Christ. So the gift is for each other as well. You are given. And it's not yours to keep. If you want some biblical references, there's the, there's the, the manager who buries his treasure in the soil. And he thinks he's done great because he saved it. Lord, I knew you gave me a little bit of grace and I didn't want to use it up. And God isn't happy. It's not his intent that you would hide it. He's called you to be a gift to the kingdom of God. I challenge you today to find out what that is, to find out what that is in your life and live into it, man. Just grow into it. <laughs> and if you can't, pray that you would. You know, trust the God of all things to grow you into a place that you think this is nuts, right? I can never get here on my own. Good. It's kingdom work. That's what's happening. The third we've already talked about a little bit is this. You are called to grow up, right? Let's read on, because that we are going to say, well, it just says mature. Well, I can be mature and not grow, right? I mean, you know, and I got to talk about another verse we talked about, we talk about often here. But listen to what it says in verse 14. Read your Bibles with me. It says, then we, that's you and I, Paul's saying, you and I, Highland and, and Ephesus and myself here in prison, will no longer be infants. Listen how infants are. They're tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the deceitful, where is it at? I lost my spot. The cunning and craftiness of men and the deceitful scheming, right? So we're just being tossed around. It's actually a doctrinal issue. Right? There's a church word for you. It means proper teaching. It means God has spoken rightly. And we can't just say, hey, whatever, it all, it's all good, because it's not. God has spoken. And our obligation is to know this, to mature into Christ, to know these things so we're not tossed back and forth in the waves, going this way and that, with every new teaching and scheme and craftiness of men, it says here, right? Instead, look at verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. That's just like last week, isn't it? We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It means you are being called to become the bride of Christ, to grow up into the head. You know what? Do you think, do you think that, like, that doesn't matter? You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be good enough. Uh, you know, 
I'll just grow a little bit and it'll be all right. Have you ever seen a bobblehead? Why are bobbleheads funny? You know, that thing just rattles around there, you know? You're like, blah, 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 blah. You shake them and they just keep kind of, you know. Is that what you think that the kingdom's going to look like? Do you think we're like a bobblehead with this great big Jesus that we can't grow into? His word says no. You'll be the body of Christ. There'll, there'll be this total transformation in the kingdom of God. Speaking the truth, we will in all things, that's pos again, that's everything, each little thing and every big thing, we're going to grow up into him who is the head, that's the ruler, that's the authority, that's Christ, Jesus himself, the one who died for us. And it's our call. The whole body, joined and held together, listen, by every supporting ligament, that means that my ties to you and your ties to me make us the body of Christ. It means our ties to other churches in Highland make us the body of Christ. It means our ties to other missionaries in the world make us the body of Christ. And our call is to strengthen one another and grow into it together. There's no excuse. You're called to grow up. And we do it together. Actually, it's Jesus that calls us to grow up. Right? Jesus calls us to grow up. Grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul records this for us. You know, you might, again, I'm just thinking like, you know, you might be like, <laughs> I don't want to grow up, you know. It's cool, right? I mean, I'm getting to the age now in my life where we, we I was joking around with somebody else that's my age, we ruin clothing for younger people because we keep wearing stuff that we probably shouldn't wear. And then you all got to go find something else to wear that's cooler because it ain't cool anymore. <laughs> Like once we show up and start shopping, it's, it's off the cool radar, you know. And we don't do it. I don't know why I do it. Sometimes Chris is always like, get out of that section, you know. Here's, I want to show you something, though. Because we do this, we say, no, it's cool, right? I want to say this verse, too, by the way. It says you must be like children to inherit the kingdom of God. I don't want you to be confused here. That means have faith like a child. It doesn't mean be a child. The word never says be a, be a baby. It never says it, Right? So I thought I'd try something because, you see, here's the trouble. And in the kingdom of God where we all live, here's the problem. That we all see it in each other. And we go, oh, you're not living up to your kingdom possibilities here. Does anyone have an infant this morning with you? Oh, look at you over there. Anybody else? Do you have a binky or a nook or, or a, a passy? Do you? Is it attached? It's not even attached. Look at this. Thanks. I'm glad he's sleeping or I'll get in trouble for this. There's nothing wrong with it, right? I don't want to grow up. What, what would happen if I put this in my mouth right now? <laughs> no, I'm going to do it. Why? Check it out. Uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I look like an idiot with this thing in my mouth. Do you want to put it in your mouth? But this is what we do in our lives every day. We walk around. Have you seen the kids that are too old for a passy? Have you seen them? You go, dude, you don't need that anymore. You know, you see the kid sitting at the table with the food and he's just reaching for it and he's still getting like that mush, you know? That's who we're to be in Christ Jesus. He says, grow up. Come and be part of the kingdom of God. Get off the pacifier. You look crazy. You're my children. Today we're going to do something that we do often here at Family Bible Church. And it's this. We're going to share communion. You know, if you read the Gospels, one of the things that's profoundly striking to me, because we make the, 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 the apostles and the disciples, they're the high holy guys, right? 
they constantly get it wrong. They constantly get it wrong. And yet, the night before, Jesus was going to give his life for the sins of the world. He made a table like this. And he sat and he, he called his disciples around it, right? Memory verse this week. I want to talk about a few things here, but one of the memory verses this week is, is from, um, oh, not the memory verse, the, the, the reading this week is from John 15. And it's where Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but friends. Because friends know their master's business. This table is the table of Jesus Christ. And he sets it for us. And he reveals the broken bread. And he has the, 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 the spilled blood of the cross right here for us. And it says, at that time, that evening, when he gathered his friends who were just a disaster, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to each one of them, and I'll say even Judas. And he said, take this and eat all of you. This is my body broken for you. It says he eucharistoed it. He gave thanks for the broken body. Why? Why? Because he knew what it was going to do for your life. He knew without it you were hopeless in this world. The 12 guys around the table had no hope if he wouldn't die. And so he gave thanks to God and he said, take it and every time you eat it, remember me. And in the same way, he said he took a cup and he gave thanks again for the cup of suffering and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take each of you and drink of it. It's the cup of a new promise that you have in me. This table today is the adult table. It's where Christ is asking us to grow up. Be no longer infants tossed by, back and forth. I'm going to ask that today, as we come to commune together, that you would come as you're able. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for your call on our lives to grow up. We pray that today as we receive your broken body and your blood spilled for us, we would know again the truth of the gospel, that you loved us enough to die, to give thanks and die, that we might have peace with God. And yet today, the table asks us to grow, and I pray that as we come and receive your gifts today, we would know our calling to be growing. Do your work in our hearts. We give you praise and thanks from broken lips because of all you have done and all you keep doing. We thank you. You are most worthy of praise and honor and glory now and forever. Amen.